Brian and I almost had a show on the yeah, phone we, earlier. We went oh, like yeah? 35 minutes. And then I started laughing. I said, I, I think we have a show here. We probably could just hit the record button. Yeah. Um, I love that. The only thing I know about you that you is that you have your own podcast, which is great because the sound and the and everything is, is way different than way most. different than yeah. <laughs> we had a guy calling from a job site, which is great. He was yeah. literally in his truck on a job site it's yesterday, not, and he was on the phone. If the audio sounds a little bit better, it's because uh, Felipe is silky smooth on yeah, his he's, end. Yeah, he's uh, he's got his own little setup over there for his own show. Welcome to the EBFC Show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Construction Accelerator. The design and construction industries come up with and build great things, but we also build and waste in how we do those things, in our interactions, in our contracts, in our logistics. So what does this do for our bottom line or our next project? The best firms maximize their value by removing that waste and only doing what's essential to the work, what makes them money. Construction Accelerator will train you to see the waste and give your teams the lean tools and experience to remove it immediately, all online. Construction Accelerator is made up of three to nine minute videos that can be watched again and again in the field, at the office, and at home, all broken down by topic. Need to learn pool planning? We have videos on the process how to set up a room, and how to kick off a team. Need to set up a target value delivery project? We discuss all the aspects of TVD, especially cost. Or maybe you just need to brush up on 5S. Well, we have videos on that as well. You can download and print reference materials to use on site to immediately translate watching into doing. Subscribe today at trycanow.com. Let's build an industry, not just a project. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry and transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Mike, if you need me to record your voicemail message with this <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, Mike and Brian. Yo, hey, yo. <laughs> how are you guys doing? doing Fantastic, great, thank man. you. Yeah. <laughs> Twice really are, day, right? Brian. No, this Twice is three times. This is our third three. time. We had their phone right. call. We did a podcast recording. Here's our second podcast recording. The name's Brian Summers. We, we, and like part of our conversation, we work directly with contractors, obviously, right? That's what our show is all about. It happened on the job. We work from really kind of the insurance standpoint and that's, was the genesis of the show. And, and to be quite candid, and I think I was candid with you earlier on the phone, I was not really sold on the idea of doing a podcast. Mike and I kind of worked through it together <laughs> and kind of figured out uh, that it would be something that we would, would be eventually interested in doing. And we've actually come to love it, which is yeah. ironic. I mean, we were not excited about it um, at different points of In that. In fact, uh, I was a, a hell no when the uh, yeah. idea came up. <laughs> it, was, it was a strong, strong yeah. hell no. I, I think it's not so much like, you know, the equipment and the idea of, of uh, having a show that's, that's aired. That, to me, to be honest, is, is not really important. I enjoy the relationship. I think that kind of comes across in the way we... What's that? I said with Mike or with your guests? <laughs> well, maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's very uncomfortable right now. Yeah, be careful how you answer. He's yeah, right. Around. No, I, I, I enjoy the conversation. I enjoy learning. I, you know, I think it's, it's kind of funny. Usually with our podcast, Mike probably says maybe about 70% 
of, or really takes control in terms of 70% of those questions. And I like to listen and learn. And I tend to kind of chime in about halfway through and get excited because I'm learning and I'm, I'm soaking in. So I just, I love learning about people, love meeting them. Um, I'm very interested in those that are able to pull themselves up for lack of a better term, pull themselves up by their bootstraps, especially uh, in this space and, uh, and overcome so many different issues and really build a business that's rewarding and, um, and that this podcast actually ironically has given us the space to do so. So yeah, that's my very long winded way of saying why I love what we're doing uh, pretty much on a daily basis. Jeez. Yeah. Let's see yeah, we record almost daily and talking to people. Yeah. Uh, Mike Fisher, by the way. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think for me, it's relationships as well. It, more for me, it's, it's, uh, helping bridge that gap between technology and, and the construction yep. industry itself, because it's so far behind in that aspect. It's, it's fun. I think we just talked about how you know, we've done 90, 95 episodes and, and most of them, I'd say probably close to 75 or 80. It's been their first podcast that they've even been on. Uh, some, they'd never even heard of a podcast before yeah. they come on our show. So not to toot my own horn or toot our own horn, but like we're, I feel like we're kind of a catalyst or, or a, a pioneer in this, in this space, in this vertical, in this industry, because there's not a lot of it. I mean, obviously you're doing it as well, but, um, I think from our side, we're, we're giving a platform for these people to come on and tell their story and, you know, showcase their business and, and, and explain all the, the ways that they do things and how they've overcome certain things. And, and, and I guess my hope is my idealistic hope is that somebody else is out there listening that says, man, I'm going through that right now too. And, and they get to hear how somebody else went through it and, and obviously got past it and moved on and, and succeeded uh, in doing it. So it's, it's all that. And, and obviously the relationships, we've heard so many good stories about people that have been on our show that have got phone calls and it's turned into work or turned into relationships or turned into all these different things. And all, all and unintended. All, yeah. The these are all yeah. unintended consequences from when we started, right? I mean, we're really just trying to build relationships and build a network and push that tech part uh, of the industry. But there's so many uh, unintended positive consequences yeah. that have come with it. That's uh, makes it a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Rewarding. Right. Right on. And do I understand that both of you are musicians or is that just Brian? No, no, nah, just, just him. Me. I suck. Uh, yeah. Mike <laughs> likes music. He likes yeah. music a lot, but uh, no, That's it's just good. me. What do you play, Brian? Uh, I play primarily now electric guitar, some acoustic, but yeah, I've, I've got some cool toys. Yeah, because you guys have your show is super professional. I think we're just hacking it together, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> He likes when, us. He really yeah, right. likes us. When you do something 95 times, it's bound to get better. Oh, oh 100%. That's true. Yeah, the yeah. first yeah. five or six, we were kind of like a little rough, a little stiff. Yeah, a little yeah. stiff, but yeah, no, uh, it's uh, it is good. I've, I've gotten to sample a couple of your shows. When Brian reached out, I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> and then when I asked you guys, like, hey, look, would you do a, a dual show and be on my show? And you're like, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah why not? This is actually. What the third time we've done this, yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah David Souter and yeah. then uh, John Cephalou. John, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all about that. it, man. We love it. Yeah, the space. You guys have a really good title. The emojis are awesome. <laughs> I mean, definitely, whoever emojied you up was spot on. <laughs> oh, that was that was Apple. I mean, yeah. we <laughs> can't take any credit for that. We just took our emoji from our Apple iPhones, and then yeah, it was yeah, like we probably owe some copyright. Fees yeah, to maybe I shouldn't have said point. anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the idea for the show like you you guys like us you know like i was encouraged by somebody to do it and then you listen to them and you tried it yeah 
Yeah. It was, it was pitched to us as, as a, as a relationship and, and networking kind of tool uh, within our space and in our industry, which it has been, and it is great. I, I wanted to make sure that if this is something we we're going to do, and, and Brian was on the same page too, that we wanted to make sure that, that there was actually some substance behind it. Something that uh, people would be proud to be on and wanted to, you know, share with other people and bringing people on and letting them showcase their business a little bit and tell their story. You kind of see it. The, I mean, it light, the people light up, right? Their, their eyes light up when they get to talk about their story and the things that they've done and the places they've come from. And it's been a lot more fun that way yeah. rather than just building a hollow show that just is there as a networking tool. But um, well, and, and even, you know, kind of at the beginning and part of where we came from, or at least when the thought first was uh, initiated, I guess, was because of some of the conversations we have with contractors on a daily basis. But those conversations aren't great conversations because they're generally having, having to do with the claim shit hits the fan or something happens. Or, right. Yeah. And so, and like I said, all these unintended benefits that you didn't really think to see, I, I'm now learning about businesses and industries that were never really, you kind of read about them, but we were only a fabric of that, right? Or a piece of that fabric. Right. Now you're learning about, it, it kind of goes to what you were talking about, Felipe, on our show in terms of always wanting to innovate, always wanting to learn, always wanting to move forward. And, and that's just probably been one of my favorite parts of the show. Yeah. Most folks and like yourselves, you, you see people born with this natural curiosity and then depending on how they grow up and their circumstances, it gets beat out of them. For you guys, for what you're doing in the insurance space, I don't think there's anything else like it. Yeah, I, I mean, no, yeah, at least, yeah. The, the coordination between the two, yeah, for sure. I don't think there's, we haven't come across anything else. There's definitely people out there doing other construction podcasts. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you're one of them. Nobody from our angle or what we're doing. But I mean, it's not even about that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, for us, it's just more about uh, building relationships and, and building that network of people and kind of creating a little community. Our, the end goal is for this show to be a, a community and a database for people to kind of go back and, and as a resource, right? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, how did they do it? How did they do this? How do they see that? How do they experience that? And yeah, like I said, that resource bank for-, for Yeah, I mean, Felipe, you mentioned that you had, you know, sp spoken with Neil and Jerry actually on our show. I don't think that yeah. was connected to the show. I was speaking with another guy who's coming. He's actually recording with us next Thursday. I mean, he shared with me. He's like, yeah, I reached out to one of your, your other guests that had been on the show recently, Matt Darienzo, wanted to um, pick his brain and learn a little bit more. So- once again, more unintended, cool benefits of creating this net, not only learning to network with others, but creating that network of, of contractors that are willing to actually, you know, talk to each other, speak to each other that probably never would have had that connection. Uh, Otherwise, yeah. Or maybe they would have, but it yeah. just maybe would have taken longer. It's just, yeah. it's neat to be a part of that. Yeah, it's only through like participating. It wasn't until I went to my first conference, <laughs> you know, earlier in my career where I got to talk to other professionals doing the same type of job that I was doing. Like one of my early jobs as a kid was doing punch list work, overhead punch list. Mm -hmm. So it's like put a hard head on and just look up at the ceiling, 250,000 square feet of rooms. <laughs> <laughs> and just have like neck aches every day. <laughs> And then finding other people that had similar experiences and like telling you like, oh, you, if you do this, you could cut the time in half or yeah. and it's like, that is just like priceless. How's that going <laughs> to happen? You know, and then, and that was, an early, I'm so old that that was 1999. And my project manager said, email is a fad that's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the two of you, did you guys always work together or did you know each other before? Uh, no, it's just, just been through work. I started here uh, about six years ago, a little over six years ago. And then he started about a year later. Yeah. I, you know, of course we find things out that about each other, like, oh, you knew my brother and father-in-law in some form or fashion and, you know, in, in different circumstances. But uh, yeah, we actually met face to face. He had been working here for about a year 
And I came in um, interested in the opportunity here and uh, got a chance to meet him and another gentleman. And uh, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of that about five Five and a half years ago. Years, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, I think once, once I got past, again, it was, it was pitched to us as, and I don't want this to come off the wrong way from the guys that, that, that pitched it to us, but it, more or less a platform to create relationships, right? And this is the example I use, um, and this is, I'm, I'm being fully transparent here, and this yeah. might turn some people off, but if I pick up the phone and call you as a contractor and say, my name's Mike, I'm with Goodman Insurance, 99.9% of those people can't hang up the phone fast enough. Yeah. If I call you yeah. as a contractor and say, my name's Mike and I've got a podcast, I want to, I want you to tell your story and, or get, you know, I want to give you a platform to tell your story and showcase your business. Most people are a lot more receptive there. The <laughs> only people that are going to say no are the ones that maybe are a little too shy or a little, I, I mean, honestly, a lot of people that say no are the ones that maybe have something to hide. I, we all know it doesn't ever happen in the construction space, but <laughs> never. yeah, never. So long story short, we're, we're creating relationships with people that down the road, hopefully, maybe might one day want to buy insurance from us, right? That was the the initial goal of the show or of of doing this. And I think Brian was the same way. I, I, I more say that to illustrate the point that he and I wanted to have something that actually meant something that was actually fun and, and people would be excited about to be it on and be excited vultures, to share. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to do it for those reasons, the relationships are going to come. If you do it for those reasons, the relationships are going to come. If you do it only for the relationship, then I felt like that was going to be pretty transparent. People would be able to see through that. So yeah. once we found a way to do it in such a way that we would have fun doing it and, and people would appreciate being on, that's when we both kind of warmed up to it and, and have been able to kind of move forward with it. And, I think it's been great ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. And the first show made it the light of day. Show number one was the first show and got published. Yeah, yeah got we published. we haven't recorded anything that we haven't published. Yeah. There's been a that's few that maybe one. we shouldn't have, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I only said that because I mean, I've got some friends that that once I started my podcast, they were like. I've got two seasons worth of shows that I haven't published yet. Get them out there. And yeah. I had some other friends who were like, I'm thinking about doing a show. I was like, stop thinking, start doing. Yeah. 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 Just do it. The only time we've ever gotten a little questioning in regards to that, there was, there was a point where we were severely backed up and it was just an editing issue. And, uh, meaning we, our editor was just not able to keep up with the amount of, um, content that we were, that we were given to him. And so occasionally I would get, somebody would say, Hey, just double checking, seeing if, uh, you're going to actually air my show. And <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah. your show's going to be aired. It's yeah. just, <laughs> yeah. we're working on stuff on our end in terms of technicality. So, well, and, and we yeah. didn't, I don't, I think part of that is that we didn't think it would be that, I don't want to say popular, but that like, I don't I think we say, thought. You're not Rachel Maddow. Brian. <laughs> we, I, I don't think we <laughs> thought that people pretty. would be that excited or that the, the, the reception would be there. Right. So like we came up with the idea and said, okay, let's message a couple hundred people each on LinkedIn and see what they say. And when it was like a 30 or 40%, like, yes, I want to do it. It's almost like, Oh, oh crap. Right. Now we got to do so, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but, and then, then you get, we want, we want to hear so many stories and, and we want to hear, and we want to give so many people that opportunity that, that we almost don't say no to anybody. Right. So that's, also why we have so many and are, are so busy doing it all the time. Cause if we ask you to come on a show and you want to do it, like we're going to let you do it good, bad, or indifferent. Like we're going to let you do it. Like that's what we're here for. Everybody that we bring on, you're hearing it. No yeah. cuts, no edits, no nothing. Just the conversation as it is. Yeah. The learnings that people do are priceless. Like I've found out I, most of the guests that I have, I know a couple of exceptions, new people that I haven't known. Well, the, what is shared, the feedback I hear from people is 
just motivates me to keep doing it over yep. and over again. I'm sure as you guys as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just astounded. Like your pace you put on, guys. It's, <laughs> it's incredible to travel quite a bit for work. So this is the maximum two weeks, every two weeks yeah. for me is the max I <laughs> yeah. can do. Uh, I don't want to say easy, but like from a schedule standpoint, like our offices are 20 feet that way. Yeah. So if we record, we Walk step over to here, here to record, yeah. we're done. We step back over there. Yeah. We upload everything to a cloud and, and our editor takes it from there. And so we, we offload a lot of, because yeah, if we had to edit our own stuff into it, there's There'd no, be no way, chance. Yeah. No chance. Yeah. But I mean, when we can spend three to five hours a week doing three to five shows, um, and that's all the time we need to spend because somebody else is editing it and somebody else is posting and doing all that stuff, then yeah. it makes it pretty, uh, pretty easy for us. And, and we enjoy doing it. What's something interesting that you guys have learned from a guest that you never would have expected where your mouth was almost like open. You couldn't talk. I'm thinking so, of stories. I, I mean, more just of a, just pick one, just cherry pick Brian. Oh gosh. All right. I, I don't know. Well, uh, we had one guy on the show that was, he was, uh, did a lot of decks and different things, especially on the residential side. And you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Not yet. No, no, no. Okay, well, he's in the backyard. And- My memory's not great. So that, this kind of <laughs> I mean, question is better suited for these Brian. Are, like I said, let me go back and talk about from the insurance side. You know, we only hear about, you know, hey, you know, I've got this claim that's sitting. It's causing my ex-mod to go crazy. And, you know, so... I don't usually get to be a party to the other side of things where, oh my gosh, you won't believe what happened today on the job when this naked woman came out to try to, All right. yeah. <laughs> to try to, you know, do things to me. Um, you know, so I mean, a lot of these, and I can't say that's, that's probably one out of a, almost a hundred shows that, that things like that have happened, but occasionally we do get, um, we get those kinds of stories. Uh, we had a guy on the show yesterday, which was kind of cool, called us from the truck on the job site. You know, just kind of cool things that were happening like in the moment while on the job. And we had to kind of narrate like, oh, you know, he's stepping out, the, por- the porta potty guy's coming out, you know. So, you know, yeah. like different, just re- like, you know, just really kind of fun interactions that happen as a result. That one particular story has definitely caught me off guard. Oh, God. Strange stuff that happens on construction projects. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've got stories. I probably could record like 80 hours worth of content from just one job site in particular. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's not that kind of show. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. That's awesome. Like insurance is definitely a big part of construction. Everybody pays mm-hmm. for it. We all benefit from it. It's one of those nice collective deals that we have with folks. So people, I think people take insurance for granted. I mean, you guys probably know better than <laughs> most, right? Until until we need it. And until you like, need oh, it, yeah. Man. Yeah. Yep. Hate it you know, until you talking. need it. Yeah. yeah even have, hate it when you need it, but yeah. <laughs> do you have like insurance friends where you guys get together and talk about like... No. <laughs> no, that's boring as hell. Nobody likes that. <laughs> Although, I mean, we... we yeah. <laughs> We do end up hanging out together quite a bit, but no, there's a, there's a lot of cross collaboration, even within the team here. Uh, The guy that started our our company has been around for 40 years. And so I call him kind of the Gandalf. And so there's a lot of knowledge that's shared internally, especially just because, you know, insurance for anything is different than insurance and construction. Uh, And, you know, uh, we talk to a lot of, especially smaller contractors that might jump into a contract and so they have to have an insurance policy and they pick up a liability policy that has them, that gets them on the job and they think they've got, you know, they can get the job and, and go forward with the work. But when a claim happens, like you were mentioning earlier, uh, they don't actually have coverage. So there's a lot of those things that if you're not in the construction space and know how to read those forms on a construction or a, a a liability policy and most and what contractor would know that it's an 85 page document that 
you know, it, it gets stuffed away and basically they need the policy number and the carrier name to be able to get paid and, and continue to work. And it's only when it starts raining that they need to pull it out again. And they realize that, man, I, I've got a terrible broker that put me in a bad position. And so a lot of the knowledge that's shared is, you know, and Mike's been around the business. He's been, he was here a year before me. And then he also had several years prior uh, and with a mom in the insurance space. So he's got uh, he's got quite a bit more knowledge than I do. So I've, I've, yeah, I've gotten the yeah. benefit of that because I came from a completely different industry prior to, to insurance. So uh, the nice thing about sharing a wall, I can walk around the corner and say, hey, Mike, I need some help, you know. Uh, so there's a lot of that that goes on here, which helps, uh, especially with construction. So no, it's, it's exciting. Like, you know, for people listening, if you don't get the chance to be in a lawsuit, you're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ex- exciting. That's the word we'll use. Yep, yeah, for sure. That's exciting. <laughs> I was like, I met so many lawyer friends over the course of one claim that went on Jeez. for nine years. Ugh. The lawyers were pretty cool, and they were telling me that uh, in law school, the vast majority of construction case examples or just examples as they're learning, even before they decide they're going to work in construction space, it's construction lawsuits. Yeah, yeah. It's just predominant. Yep. Well, the, the construction industry itself creates a lot of the, the, the statutes and the law in, in most other industries mm-hmm. as well. Precedent. It's funny because we go to insurance seminars. Want to talk about exciting. Want to talk about exciting, guys. coffee at those. Yeah, want to talk about exciting. But it's funny because, I, I mean, being producers or brokers that only work in construction, obviously only know that niche, right? But these insurance seminars that are enthralling and, and invigorating, they, they cover... <laughs> They're supposed to cover all industries, right? But it's same kind almost of thing. Time, like yeah. almost every example they give as to why this policy is written this way or why this is done this way or what you're supposed to be looking for has to do with construction. So it's good in that sense that, I mean, most of those things are built around what we do. But yeah, to, to, to prove your example, that's what drives a lot of the uh, litigation and in, in, especially in California. <laughs> oh yeah, my, my daughter the other night, 13, she comes downstairs and she's, it's about 10 o'clock at night. She goes to bed at nine. And uh, I said, what are you doing up? And she goes, I can't sleep, dad. I, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. You know, it kind of does, goes through the litany no. of, of things. And I said, do you want me to tell you about general liability exclusion forms? And she goes, no, <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> all right, all right, worked. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to use that one tonight. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I've been in the business for over 22 years, and I, I originally went to school for engineering, and engineer is actually my last name. I was going to say, when I saw it, I didn't know if that was your title I mean, in we the had middle of it. Yeah. yeah. And I got into school thinking that uh, I didn't want to work with my parents. Like, love you, mom and dad, but they, they worked in a different industry altogether, more in manufacturing. And I was just like, I, I got to try something different, be, be my own person. So I went to school for computer engineering of all things. And then I was in school. I'm old enough to remember Y2K and old enough to remember how overblown and exaggerated it was. Well, I, did you, did I, you think so that at the time, though? though? What do you say? Yeah. <laughs> did you think it was overblown and exaggerated at the time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did. I did. Okay. Although yeah. I did have a hint of, I remember that night, it's a long story, but I was by myself and it wasn't because I thought the world was going to end. But I remember thinking at 11.59 and 30 seconds, you're going, okay, 30 more seconds. And then you kind of twinge and then it's like, oh, we're all right. Everything's fine. Yeah, Nobody's nothing fine. happened. Yep. <laughs> so, but the, the downside to that was the, the economy like really heated up as that was happening. So I'm in school halfway through getting my computer engineering degree and like nobody could get jobs after Y2K was over. Like first, there wasn't enough people. 
and then there were too few people and then not enough demand. So I just flipped over to electrical engineering and that's what I actually graduated. And a buddy of mine was working for a large general contractor in Chicago. That's where we grew up. Got the little Sears tower over my shoulder. If you can see it, I I flipped over to that. And my friend said, Hey, you got to check out this job. He wasn't trying to even make me think about construction. He was a fellow electrical engineer and took me to check out a job and I just fell in love with it. His company was at a career fair. If you look me up on LinkedIn, you can figure out what company I'm talking about. It's uh, the Big Blue is their nickname and went to work for them right out of school. Four years later, 2008 comes, you know, something that affected pretty much everybody that listens to your show. Yeah. The recession of 08, we ended up going west and I got uh, starting to work for McCarthy Building Companies. That was 12 years ago. It's like I just closed my eyes and it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, half my career I worked in in construction as an engineer, project manager type. Even did a little time as a superintendent on in Chicago, which was awesome. Downtown Michigan Avenue was the last time I, I got to be a superintendent on a 21-story high-rise overlooking Millennium Park. Wow. wow. That was awesome. Yeah, 6 North Michigan is, I got it here too. Right, right after, <laughs> you know, 08, the, the, the scar from 08. Right, you know, right. I got those good memories there. It started working at McCarthy. It was somebody at McCarthy that turned me on to this whole idea of lean construction. And it was just all of this borrowed from manufacturing that goes way back. I mean, the, the roots of lean construction, for those that don't know, it just goes way, way back. Lean is not L-I-E-N, as some of your listeners might be thinking about. <laughs> it's, know how to go file those? Not, not the mechanic leans and the, uh, yeah. Yeah, not that type of lean. It's L-E-A-N. And in that type of thinking, it's all about respect for people, continuous improvement, making what you do better, easier, faster, and fun. And part of that, there's this acronym that's been out there for a long time. I can't take the credit on it, EBFC. It's the recipe for how to start being lean. The first thing you do is you make your work easier, then you make it better. It naturally becomes faster and ultimately becomes cheaper. So that was the the genesis for naming my show because my show is all for construction people and we wanted to make it easier, better for construction. So that's what it stands for. I've worked across the country, worked in hospitals, schools, commercial work, community college, elementary education type of projects. Now uh, with working at McCarthy Industrial, solar, like very large, you know, 100 plus acre, like 800 acre and larger solar plants, fields, Mm. industrial work, coal fire plants, airports, casinos, hotels, just all over the place now. Based out of California, but I serve the company coast to coast. And before COVID, or like I like to refer to it as BCE, before COVID ever, <laughs> used to fly quite a bit. Demand is still high when, when COVID hit. It didn't affect the job other than just the location. Yeah. The job stayed, demand went higher, and we'd been doing actually more. Like I had time to start my podcast, which, which just happened in July. Early in my career, and I'm sure a lot of people know this too, like things that really made your job easier did not always come from the immediate vicinity of what's on your job. Sometimes the idea and innovation came from somewhere else. Right. Yeah. So for us in construction, like borrowing from manufacturing and manufacturing was borrowing from shipbuilding and shipbuilding was borrowing from the military and everybody just kept borrowing from other industries. And those types of ideas just make it so impactful. The innovation potential is like infinite. The last thing I did for McCarthy before I went into this role was uh, was a project manager on a traditional design bid build project in the city of Orange for Chapman University. And that's actually perfect because my next question was going to be going into this role. Was it something that you pitch to them as, hey, look, this is what I can do and this is what I want to do full time? Or, or do they come you? to you yeah. and say, 
hey, we're, we're looking to create this position. Yeah, so they came to me early when I was working at McCarthy, like way early, uh, more than 10 years ago. There was a gentleman made a presentation at one of our company get-togethers and said, here's some cool stuff happening on our job. And this is the way we're doing it. We're borrowing these ideas called lean for manufacturing. And that's kind of like how I was pitching. I, I was, that day I was drinking like two pots of coffee a day. <laughs> like if you can imagine, you're, I'm sure you got listeners out there that are, are probably close to that type I'll of... I'll it, yep. No, that's just to stay awake because you're yeah. just working so much. <laughs> this was just totally radically different. So I got involved in this little group, just like volunteer for fun. We would get together outside of work in the beginning and then inside of work hours later as you build your capacity to be able to, to volunteer more. So I became part of this little group and we were experimenting, reading books, studying, encouraging each other to try new things. And this little group grew and eventually 2014, the company noticed and said, hey, we'd like to pilot this as an initiative across the company. And we want to come to people like you in this group that are doing this. Could you try this and make it more formal? And we're like, sure. And they're like, what are the things that you, we could do? Like, so they had an idea of what they wanted to do, upper management. And then we had an idea of what we had been doing for at that point, uh, probably about five years or so, maybe closer to eight years. Some of the people had been there longer than I was. And then uh, we had two years of that that was 2014. So we piloted, I was on a job that just coincidentally took over two years to finish. And then at the end of that, they decided based on the results, the impact of the company, let's get more of this. So they made the position, they advertised it publicly and privately. They said, we strongly encourage you to apply for this position. <laughs> <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. 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 Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the guy that interviewed me, this, my first interview was the COO, Scott Whitcup, And he was really cool in the interview like just getting to know is the first time we'd actually had like a real conversation and they were like we want to have you talk to him because your role is going to be national and it's going to touch multiple regions and we just want to get a sense of like is this something you're a interested in and b are you even going to be good at it right <laughs> <laughs> so that ended up being really cool conversation with him and the rest they say is history two years later got promoted to national director for the whole organization so then i had to take on more strategy type of function for the role and still working with tactics. And then we've had uh, demand increasing and surging ever since. And we've got ourselves well positioned across the company. I still will bump into people in the organization that don't know what I do. That still happens. I mean, yeah, it's a lot of people, but most of the leadership. Yeah, 5,000, yeah. And we're expanding, you know, what we're doing now, you know, from a group of people just doing it for fun to encourage each other to now it's part of how we're doing business. Mm -hmm. in a really small span of time has been really incredible to be a part of. And I was then, gonna say, that's gonna be fun, yeah. Yeah, and I know my counterparts at some of the other companies and through the work with some of the nonprofits like the Lean Construction Institute, we do like uh, compete with each other and check notes. Right. Like, hmm. like, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. have you done lately? Yeah, because yeah, you know, at these different events and at seminars, you can see what people are doing and, and what's really, what's going on in the industry and what we're facing. We're all facing the same thing. We're an industry of tradition. You know, there's a long established way for how things are done. And uh, if you rock the boat too much, it's it's just, you can only change so much so fast, but there's right. definitely things that you can do where you can have returns on your investment, like to the tunes of billions of dollars. Yeah. That's the type of payback that uh, some of this stuff has. That's crazy. This And uh, it's been really cool. This has just been like no slowdown for what yeah. the, the company wants to do with it. I've worked with accounting, uh, legal, risk, corporate IT, like HR, training that's back of house and then project wise the first year i worked with six teams in year one i started like in june so that's about a, almost a team a month and then now i work with you know three to ten plus teams per month 
Wow. Jeez. So that's where I was actually going to go. I was curious if more of your work is done, like you said, in the back of the house on the operation side or, or more, uh, you know, in the November, field, yeah. where, where yeah. do you, I would imagine you probably find more room for efficiencies in the field, right? That's probably where you get the bigger gain, but there's probably a lot of it's, systems uh, that can be. You'd be surprised. You can get a lot in both spots. Like if you're like a friend of mine used to always say like, there's, t there's people that work in the business and there's people that work on the business and good businesses can find people to do both. Right. Today we have, I'm, I'm not alone, even though I'm by myself and departmentally, organizationally, I report to Scott's my boss now. So I report directly to him and uh, we talk to the, the C-suite pretty often. So it's really good to get their feedback and they're setting the tone and direction for the company. And I helped support to achieve that with all of our partners. Right. And so the way we, we kept that model <clears throat> of these volunteers forward, because those people definitely gave me tons of insight. Like I didn't start at zero. When I joined that group, I started where, where they were and they helped to onboard me and guide me. And then from there, I was able to take off. And when you dedicate yourself full time to something, you can really get exponentially more effective than if you were just trying to figure things out by yourself. So the people that I work with every day, day in and day out, I mean, definitely help and encourage me because it's not easy work. Yeah. So if I came to your office and said, Hey, you've been doing insurance. You're doing, you're doing it all the years. wrong way. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to change the way you do insurance yeah. today. Yeah. Everybody in your office will be like, there's the door. Don't let me get you on the way out or we'll actually kick you out the door. Right? <laughs> today we have more than 60 people involved that are, they have a full-time job in our company, but they're also involved as a volunteer working in our group. And that's how we call ourselves like a lean leader group. Yeah. Yeah. And each region sets its own tone, has quite a bit of control, quite a bit of control. So we have the national strategy and tactics, and then within how they achieve that to support their regional business needs, it's all within their power. And every single group has one to sometimes four vice presidents in the group all the way down to mm -hmm project engineer. And we have some corporate people in the group as well. There's an accountant in the group. There's a person in IT. There's a person in uh, human resources. They're all just kind of collaborating and, yeah. and yeah. So they do, they do work in their respective locales, like right. geographic regions. And then occasionally we come together when it makes sense and we cross collaborate. So it's a very effective way to, to communicate and then exponentially move the needle yeah. as a collective. What's the, uh, what's the learning curve been like? I mean, having to touch so many different departments uh, coming from your background. I mean, I mean, I guess you have to get involved pretty heavily in the minutia of the, the daily grind of each one of these different yeah. d departments. Is there, is there a learning curve in, into understanding how they operate before you get to what, you're going to do as far as, uh, you know, the efficiency part. Absolutely. I'm like a super sponge lifelong learner. So I'm very curious nature just in general and being in the business for 20 plus years, you pick up on stuff and I've worked in many different capacities and roles. So like when I went to go work in the, there was a joint force between HR and IT, for example, we had two, two different groups working together on an initiative. I come in under the guise of facilitator to help. Right. I, I didn't, I didn't come in with an agenda. Right. Like I just came in to be helpful. That's how I come into every single group, come in right. being helpful. Right. I'm not going to come in. Like, even if something is super yeah. obvious to me at the end of the day, Mike, you got to keep responsibility with the people that do the work. Yep. And that's well, and you're going to get I learned. Yeah. And you're going to get more buy-in from those that you're working with as opposed to coming in and start barking orders. You know what I mean? Right on. Yep. Yeah. And I use that. Like I, I look at like, if I work with a group and they do something later, do I get called again? That's a measure of success for me yeah. just personally. Right. Like right. if I work with somebody one time and never again, I need to go back to them and find out what did I do wrong? <laughs> right. Yeah. So for the most part, I get, uh, you know, working with people constantly, like there's a team in Illinois 
that uh, their project is finally coming to the point where they've had to go to different jobs. So they're kind of breaking up the team that's been together for about half a decade. They'd call me every three months, every two months, sometimes every month. I mean, it was pretty consistent all the time. So that was a good measure of, that's a good interaction with them and they're getting some value out of what we're doing. And likewise for me, I'm getting good value out of that. A lot of the, the people that work in our industry, I mean, you can go to a job and you might even be like a tradesperson working on one particular thing, like the mason, for example, doing masonry work on a building, they might not ever even go into the finished structure right. because they're only part of a certain part. Right. So they don't even get to see that that whole thing. And the same thing happens you know, on the professional side as well. Sometimes people are so into their their specialization that they don't get to see the whole value stream of what what is the building we're doing, what's the purpose of it, how is it going to be used, that, that opportunity is not always there for people. Yeah, so understanding the, the why. Yeah. Yeah. I try to bring that to every once when we're working together. Like, I'll be almost annoying with it. Like, why are we doing this? <laughs> almost annoying. Yeah, almost. Almost, <laughs> almost annoying. Never crossing that line, though. Never yeah, crossing that line. I get close. Like, I'll stand on the line, like, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, for sure. Are you getting more of your direction from the top level uh, executives who are, are looking at, at P&Ls and, and efficiencies and all that kind of, or is it more requests from the departments directly that's saying, hey, to, to we're, we're, we're needing help with this, trying to get more efficient yeah. and doing all those kind of things. Or yeah, is so, it, a, I would imagine it's a mixture of both, but mm-hmm. we're, where are you getting it more heavily? Well, I get to see the same things that they see. So there's reporting mechanisms in place, like all larger size companies. Yeah. When I talk to leadership, I'm trying to listen to more, where, where do we need to go based on what they're hearing in the marketplace? You know, what's coming down the line, what initiatives are important right now and why, and then how can I help achieve those things with the work that I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with? So like when I go back, so I'm seeing the same things that they see. So when we talk, we're already not like they're having to explain to me you know, what these numbers are. I know the numbers like they know the numbers. Right. Which is a good thing. We've got a lot of transparency at this level so we can see what's going on. And we're an employee-owned company, which makes it really easier. Yeah. It's hard work. And like everybody that works in this space will tell you like it's really hard work, but being employee-owned makes it a lot easier because people know that what they do affects how we operate. Yep. And to keep the lights on, you just don't want to break even. Breaking even doesn't even keep the lights on. Right. You get a little bit of variation in project performance and then boom, all of a sudden you can't keep your lights on and you can't operate. And keeping the lights on is just one metaphor, yep. right? So then most of the demand that comes my way is word of mouth because my goal is always to eliminate myself as a constraint as quickly as possible. We want everyone in the industry to be able to have these types of skills. Everything that we have is like in the public domain. People just aren't applying it because of those things like tradition and, and process that people aren't always aware that you have some flexibility in actually mm-hmm. changing. What well, with the stuff you guys do or the stuff that you do and and you guys are implementing, you, you guys make it pretty pretty public and you're not yeah. trying to yeah. inside the company we've yeah. got like uh internal ways that we share. Yeah. And sometimes that's that's difficult even still because you know the job, the construction job takes all your attention. Current chairman of the board, Mike Bolin, always says, Every day you go to work, the job's trying to kill you. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> it's a very dangerous industry. Yeah. I mean, I mean still, that's today. that's uh that's a very real way to yeah, put it. Yeah. Truthful. Yeah. There are, I mean, if you walk into a site texting on your phone and there's earthwork happening, you have a high chance of getting in trouble, yeah. you know, just with foot placement because right. of the changing terrain and what's going on. It's not like walking down a sidewalk or you can get away with a little bit yep. texting on your phone, not, you know, getting too hurt too bad. But I've seen people walk into stuff, you know, on the street. Stop signs. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. you've seen it. You've heard <laughs> yep. the stories. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure there's a Google channel. <laughs> yeah, or YouTube channel right. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. So like on the site, you've got to be aware of a lot of things and the conditions change daily. You've got to be really aware. And the same is back of house too. Like when people are managing the site from afar, back in the construction trailer or whatever, and they're doing dealing with the business things, they've got procurement that they're always focused on to make sure the right stuff is there to feed, you know, the people working in the buildings or whatever the, the type of construction is to keep it going. It just does not happen by accident. It's a very intense coordinated effort and the people that do it do it they do it really well like a lot of there and there are a lot of good firms out there doing it the people that we have i'm super happy to call partners really focused and they care deeply that's like one of the things that you, you can't really quantify like how much do people care yeah you could tell when you go to someone's job like to what level of care they have and you can tell when you talk to folks like how engaged they are and that's one of the the cool things about you know working here is that our engagement's pretty high that's awesome yeah i would imagine part of your job security is being able to quantify some of the things that you do and 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 the successes that you've had. So, what what kind of what kind of metrics do you guys use to be able to to measure and and track some of the the things that you do? What a great question, Mike. I get asked that question all <laughs> the time. It's not even. I'm not even joking. Today, there was a small uh, self-performed company that does like like trade work, very specific niche work, like industrial. They called me and they were asking me like, how do you track KPIs for what you do? That's, I'm gonna tell you the same yeah. thing that I tell everybody else. Your company already has key performance indicators that are important to them. You should really understand what they are and how what you're doing impacts them. So we look at the things that we track. If you ask, you know, Anybody on a typical job, the two big things that always come up are cost and schedule. Right. So most people agree, hands down, cost and schedule are super important. And as you talk to more people, safety and quality will make the top 10 list. Hopefully. And then hopefully, right? Yeah. And then now uh, teamwork is starting to make the list of like the most often cited things that are critical. And we know from the research of people that study this for a living that uh, teamwork and the people on your team, the individuals on your team have more impact than anything else for the success of your project. It's by far exponentially higher. I don't know what the, the statistics are off the top of my head. The team is number one, the people you have, and then the processes that your company brings are you know, they're in there, mm -hmm. but they're not the most important. Yep. So I would say to everybody out there, it doesn't matter where you are in construction, whether you're a tradesperson, a foreman, a crew leader, a superintendent, a project manager, a director, an executive, your company is already looking at things that are important to them. So you should understand what those are. What you do definitely translates to impact on those key KPIs, key performance indicators. Inside the company, I look at, you know, what's important to our organization so that we stay healthy as a company. That means that we're keeping our people because I look at that, uh, the people more so than the other things. And then I will also look at cost and schedule. And then we see like, you know, what can, what are we doing to move the needle on those? And that's how we engage. There's a lot of lean tools out there, more than a hundred. There's more than a hundred different tools with processes wow. to improve stuff. And we don't, I don't recommend all of them. So I always recommend stuff that we try and then that actually impacts what we're trying to do. Cause you can, you can shine some, they call it in, and under and other industries call it gold plating. When something's already gold and shiny, you can keep gold plating and it just, it doesn't get any shinier. It doesn't get any <laughs> right? So we don't want to do any gold plating, but we want to just deliver. I was, I tell the customers, like, we want to give you exactly what you contracted for and not a penny more. Yeah. And they I react just like you did. Science. Yeah. I just kind of frozen. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. Like, what? They're like, what do you mean? You're not a charity. So many companies that will focus on the bottom line and how do we, how do we do these things? How do we, what do we do to make this bottom line grow? Not understanding that 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 first step is is the people, right? Like getting the people to buy in and to 
to uh, love what they do and, and be part of that team and, 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 and have that, that atmosphere. And it's obviously people that come onto our show uh, that are, you know, executives and CEOs or, or have their own business construction company, they tend to be successful, right? There's, there's not many people that want to come on this show that aren't doing well, right? They don't want to come on and talk about how they're doing if they're not doing well. Yeah. But to that end, a very common theme when we talk about, you know, what you're looking for in people and what, what, how you're hiring and how you're doing the, almost all of them, it's culture first, right? Yeah. They don't care if you can do the job or if what you're, uh, skill set is because those that. those things yeah. can be taught and those things can be learned and those things can be developed. But uh, if you fit into the team and you can buy into what everybody else is getting in on board with, that's 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 their measure of success. Mm-hmm. And and that's I think that's what's important here is that even a position like yours for a multi billion dollar company, it's still about the people buying in, you know, treating them the right way, yeah. and, and and doing and giving quality work and 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 you know your customers and all that stuff. The bottom line just happens to be a, a byproduct, byproduct of, of all of that. that yeah exactly yeah. and some people that focus on cost cutting first as a way to do lean it always has disastrous results the information's out there in the public domain <laughs> but it's so much there. easier but it's yeah. so much easier they're like oh we can just you know do half as much and then you just make <laughs> twice as much more and it's like yep. no, no that's not <laughs> doesn't work that way one plus one does not equal five <laughs> no but there are a lot of failures out there and then you know, in the type of industry we have, it's a very siloed industry. It, it gone are the days of the master builder type approach where the architect would issue a drawing set, you know, for something even like the Empire State Building of less than 100 sheets. I mean, you can't build a Dang shed man. for less than 100 sheets. <laughs> All right, so like the, the, and some of that is just due with specialization. Like even what I do, it people look at like, well, you're the lean expert. Like, well, actually I'm a business specialist. My yeah. specialty is business. From the time the customer thinks that they want to do something, when it's just a, I think building this building will help me solve my business problems, to the time you know they're occupying the building and they're thinking about giving us the next job. That's what I'm involved in. That's my business. My business yeah. is that. Helping people solve problems, you know, by building things. Buildings like a hospital. Like if you're if your hospital demand now, COVID a perfect example. If before COVID, you're, you're almost at capacity with treating things like diabetes, heart disease, and, and other things that people are coming into your, your hospital for, and then you throw a pandemic on top of it, you know, how do you change to keep serving those needs that are pretty predictable, but then you also that surge because of having to deal with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So like we, we've had to do things like that and help our customers navigate that. That's what I'm into, the full business part, all the yeah. way, all the way. Not, as a part of this kind of specialization, you pick up some cool stuff. Like, don't tell people what to do. <laughs> like, ask them. Like, our program is voluntary. You know, as, as compared to some other companies that have it mandated, our adoption is much higher. It's much higher. <laughs> because we help people make their job easier, better, yeah. faster. And that benefits our clients. Our clients 100% benefit our happy people on their projects definitely delivers their projects on schedule. I went to a job two weeks ago. It's right here in my backyard in Sacramento. And they're almost three months ahead of schedule is what they finished. Jeez. They had applied high lean intensity. These are people <clears throat> I've been working with since 2016. And I remember the the one gentleman who's now a project director, he had just barely was a project manager the first time I met him. And uh, he told me, he's like, when I first 
heard about lean. He's like, I hated it. He's like, I hated it. He's like, heroes management trying to tell me what to do. How to do my job and, and how to, yeah. Pile more work on top of me. I'm already working like to the gills and they're trying to pile more on me. But that was just one way. So we learned. I see a lot of companies even now, like I was at a conference last week for five days and I heard story after story from people at the conference that are like, yeah, our, our, someone, our company sent us here. We don't even know why. Right? So they're just piling <laughs> it on top. And then when I come back, the conference was a week long. When I get back, to, they were trying to do emails and, and answer client calls. They couldn't even allow themselves the space to learn for five days. Yeah. Right. So that's, that was a problem. So this gentleman that I'm at his site now, he's a director now. He told me, he's like, this is actually like one of the nicest things that's ever happened. He's like, my team, the people that work for him now, he's like, they've, they've come on, they've, like he's had some engineers work on his job and then they were staffing down because they're getting to the end and they've gone to other projects. He's like, they call me and say, it's not the same. He's like, and they want to come back. He's like, it's something, there was something special here. And that special thing was really just a mindset. Yeah. And that mindset, I always tell people, it's really just two things. It's this. It's that was, that that was, was sexy. Very that was sexy. Sorry about killing your transition <laughs> there. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, respect for people is the first thing. And then continuous improvement. Those are the two big lean construction principles. And when you study what lean is deeper, you keep coming back to those two things. And people are always like, no, it's, it can't be that simple. Yeah. Like, it's not simple. It's yeah. easy to it's very, say. Yeah, it's right. harder difficult to, to do. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. And then how do you do that through a, a process? Like if you're working with a team of a hundred people that have already been working together for a year and then you come in to do something, you gotta do some selling with them. Like, why are you there? You just they're not just gonna say, Yes, sir. Yeah, we're happy we're happy to change everything yeah. we're doing for you. Yeah. And we, we hear from people, we've got a lot of uh, veterans that work in our organization as well, and they say the military is not blind following either leadership has to be earned respect has to mm -hmm. be given right. the trust is built by actually working with people well cool. kind of going you know to that particular project with that gentleman that was a project director that wasn't totally sold um and, and just kind of talking about some of these guys these other individuals that had moved on to different projects i got to imagine based off of that that not every project is working with that kind of lean theology in mind. Is that correct? Or like, where, right. yeah, where do you get brought in? Do they ask you to come in? Because I got to imagine if the buy-in is basically volunteer, which I think is the best kind of, you know, buy-in because people want to be there, right? They yeah. want to be a part of something that's bigger than them. They want to, they want to be able to give to that. Uh, but where does it, so where does that, where do you kind of walk that line? Where do you get brought into that particular project within the company? How does that translate? Yeah. So, I mean, I still sometimes get a call from a vice president and they'll say, Hey, it's so-and-so I need you just to go to this job. I see. And they're like, you'll know what's, what's what. Right? <laughs> yeah, we'll let you figure it out <laughs> on your own. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and sometimes they, they say more of like what the concern is. They never, you know, the good thing about, you know, being in this type of company that I'm in, people that have been working for us are, they've been with us for a long time. So it's, it's not like, you know, somebody just showed up and you're dealing with total unknowns. These are people right. that we've known for quite a while. We'll go in, I'll, I'll call the, <clears throat> you know, project manager. I'll look on the, on the project list. Like, who do I know here? Do I need the, the person to make an introduction or do I actually know somebody there? If I know right. somebody there, I'll call them and say, Hey, um, you know, how's it going? I don't know if you know that I've changed roles. I'm not in operations anymore. I still have to say that because <laughs> I've been doing it for five years. Some people still think, some people still think I live in Orange County even though I've been up here for four years. <laughs> so I'll, I'll tell them like, yes, I moved. 
And no, I did not get your Christmas card. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> I, now I know better. <laughs> I was like, I want to come visit your job. And I've had, uh, you know, a couple times, some of the, the job leadership say, hell no, when I walk in the front door and I got to like tell them why I'm there and just be totally transparent with them. And I was like, I'm not here to, I was like, if you've ever worked with me, you'll know we do some root cause analysis. Never once has the source of something that's gone wrong in a project actually been an individual person's. Right. It's not, a, not personal. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not been a personal fault. It's usually some systemic thing, some process issue. Yep. Yep. It's caused the problem. And so once we get to that understanding, and I've had a superintendent, like I remember this was a job two years ago. This happened on the job. (laughs) Perfect. Love (laughs) that. Yeah, you're welcome. So I I show up. First of all, the job's four hours away. So I've been driving in the car for four hours to get to this job. I had to get up at 3 a.m. to get to, and the superintendent didn't care. He's living down at the city where there's in. I I show up. I get there before the executive that's supposed to be doing the, why is Felipe here? conversation <laughs> he got he got caught in traffic you know because there was a wreck because when you drive for four hours something's bound to happen right yeah, right 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 so i got the hey and the guy said to me he's like oh so you think you're gonna tell me how to do my job like this has been a superintendent he's been he's been a superintendent for 20 years i've only been in the business for 20 years he was other things before that <laughs> so i told him i said actually no you're going to tell me how to do my job with a big smile on my face. And I just got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just tried. How long did it just, take for him to cock back and try and hit you? <laughs> he, he, uh, he stood there like, he's like, I don't know if I should slap him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then from there, I explained to him, like, I don't know what you do. Like I've been, I said, I've been a superintendent before, but I was on this type of structure. Right. This is something totally different. And just for anonymity, I won't say what the structure was because people that know me will know exactly where I was four hours away. <laughs> and uh, I told him, I was like, I'm here to learn. I was like, you've you've been around and you've had like really cool successes. And there's a crew of 45 people out there that follow you, that would follow you anywhere. I'm trying to understand like what's going on here that we're not getting what we need. And I said, I can guarantee you it's not going to be you. Right. I said, I guarantee you it's not you. So then he relaxed and I said, you know, yeah. would you mind showing me your job? So we went and walked the job and we'd see stuff and I'm asking questions and he's noticing things based on my dumb questions. And I always tell people like, if I do come to your project, I'm going to ask thousands of questions. Most of which are, yeah, you're going to think not, are And they're not rhetorical. Yeah. I don't ask rhetorical questions and I don't ask trick questions. I'm really curious and I need to know. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I go at it. And people are super proud and and what they do and show you what's going on. The client ended up giving the project team a change order for something negotiated that otherwise would have been really contentious. Basically said, here's two more million dollars worth of work. Thank you. And please do it. Mm. Just the way you've done everything else. And we ended up, I think they doubled their profit on that job as a result of what we did. And we really just went after two, you know, two things. Improving the information flow from the foreman to the superintendent. Yeah. And we didn't know that going in. Like when I landed there, I didn't know that that's what I was going to focus on. By being curious and walking around, listening and seeing that opportunity. And I realized, and you don't realize that unless you have a lot of experience and you'll, you'll pick up on stuff like that. And we made that little switch. The general foreman became a superintendent on the next job, got promoted. Hmm. 
the project manager uh, became a senior project manager. The the director became an executive vice president. I mean, like just a nice chain reaction. Not all at the same time, but like the the changes definitely helped yeah. them and impacted them in positive ways that it carried them forward. And now I can call any of them and say, hey, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And we can bounce stuff off of each other. Yeah. Like really easy now. Well, you've planted seeds in each of them, right? And as as they've moved on to more leadership positions, that gets disseminated later on in other projects and other right. things that are happening within the company. Yeah, we tell people like you know, good ideas spread on their own. Yeah. Bad ideas take a lot of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually true. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man. <laughs> so do you get Christmas cards from all of them now? I hope. No, I don't. <laughs> I was like, Fleet Engineer, I can't tell what you are. <laughs> but, you know, though, I think, I think that, you, that, you know, in terms of your respect for people, especially when you walk in and you, I think you're right. There's that initial like, oh, God, here comes the guy with the suit. He's trying to yeah. fix me and fix my project. There's that suspicion that comes as a result. And it creates that divide between right. them and their people and you, Right. But you come in unarming and or you're, you're basically saying, I'm not here against you. I'm not, I'm actually here for you. I want to help you in any way that I can, but, and I don't know what I, I don't know what to tell you yet. Let's just hang out and be buddies. Yeah, let's see I what's think, going on. Yeah. You break that down. And I think that creates, uh, what's the collaboration. It creates teamwork. Right. It creates the ability, an environment where people are willing to move forward and come up with new ideas and not be afraid to espouse those ideas and, 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 and uh, share that with you and, and for them to share it amongst themselves. And you're right. I mean, sometimes just the simplest thing in terms of communication from the bottom up and from the top down or whatever it is, uh, and they all realize that they don't, they're not going to be in trouble if they do something or, if, or big brothers watching them, that they're there to be a part of a team. You're right. Things get done quickly. And, uh, and people are excited to be a part of that. It's easy to say, it's very hard to implement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very hard to implement. So like earlier in my career, I remember working for a director, he was a PM at the time. And, and this is before I knew more about lean. And, you know, he told me, he's like, the good thing about you is you're just a workhorse. Like you can, we can just pile work on you and you'll just do it. Like whether it's right or wrong. And he's like <laughs> laughing. He was like Thank laughing you? right or wrong. Question mark? Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I don't feel like this is a compliment. And this was during <laughs> this is not like a good a, thing. <laughs> this was during a performance review. So like he's giving me good high marks and I'm asking him for like what else? And that's why I realized like I don't know enough. Like I was at that point I was pretty cocky. I was, you know, younger than I am now. If you can't tell from my my beautiful hairline. This doesn't happen. <laughs> this happens with experience. Takes some time, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And then I just remember walking away from that like a, I don't like that label. I'm going to drop some of the shit you're giving me like, <laughs> right now. <laughs> but then B, I wanted to know more things. So I started, you know, improving my, my network and then finding my own gaps. Like, what do I not know? And I went deeper into this, uh, this lean type of thinking and mindset and community. And it just, uh, man, it's just paid back dividends. Mm. It's been yeah. transformational. Yeah. That's and then, awesome. And, and like my show is all about making it easier for everybody. And we have guests come on and we share stories and I get to interview other people. I barely talk, which is ironic because you can tell like I'm talking a lot. That's the this way we like to do our show you, too. You this got is that beautiful. rad voice though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is the normal me, Brian and Mike. Are you, uh, are you bringing on other contractors who have, have, are interested in these ideas or have they implemented some of your ideas or yeah, where, I've what had, kind of, uh, I've had like, uh, so far different trades partners that we work with and 
and my show is completely voluntary like we're sponsored just coincidentally the lean construction institute sponsors my show and that was just like they asked me like they heard i was going to start a show and i'd I, my first show was with one of my friends that had worked similar type of role that i did early on josh and then after that show people are like man that show is actually entertaining like i didn't think systems thinking could be an interesting conversation <laughs> and then people a friend of mine had been telling me forever for four years i had a friend who had a, a podcast and she would like just badger me every time she saw me she worked in a different city and she'd be like you should have your own show you should do videos you should do videos yeah i should you would watch them <laughs> kind of what we thought too <laughs> so yeah i started getting ready and making that change i started realizing like this is gonna be good for me too yep so i'm gonna get to hear things and talk to folks like i've had owners on the show i've i've talked to some of my peers and said you know if you want to come on you can come on like it's it's really it's up to me like my sponsor doesn't have a say before i started the show i told mccarthy like hey i'm gonna do the show and they were like okay that's cool <laughs> yeah that's awesome and, yeah and I was like, it would be nice, uh, McCarthy, if you want to reshare the show. Like, I'm not against you sharing it. <laughs> so, like, like, feel free to reshare anytime. Yeah. And so I've had like uh, clients have been on. It's been pretty much in the beginning, it was a lot of the people that just I've worked with over the past two decades. Yeah. And then now I've been having like authors call me and say like, hey, I heard you got this construction show. Want to come on? Yeah. I've had, uh, you know, through the show, I've talked to people from all over the world. Like one of the things that I'm really passionate about is Scrum, which is an agile methodology. I mean, it's it predates agile as a mindset. Just, you know, set the record straight. Scrum is older than agile for all the people that know. Only a couple of nerds right now are like, that's right. <laughs> and everyone else is like, what? We thought it was like a... So Scrum is a like a it's a management framework that allows people to get work done incrementally faster, more valuable with less effort. So that's like the short and sweet definition for complex work it could be products right. or services. A lot of people think it was born in software. It was actually born out of hardware. It has its roots in the military with one of the founders, Jeff Sutherland. I've had people contacting me from all over the world talking about, you know, how have you done this in construction? You know, how do you, how do, you do this? Like, how do you make it look easy? It's like, well, enthusiasm is definitely a big part. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, that's just part of the fun. But I'm, I'm after, I'm out there doing the work, the same as I'm doing it inside the company. I'm going to do this type of work no matter what position I'm in. I can do this work on top of what the responsibilities are because I just have to. That's how you're right? wired. Yeah. That's how I'm wired. I just have yeah. to do it. I like doing it. It's good time. People like it. Yeah. It's like the well, it's very think, rewarding. It's a very rewarding field to be in. Like to to know that some of the things that you guys are collaborating you, that you're collaborating with them with or or you, know, you guys are figuring out together. It's mm -hmm. rewarding to see uh them kind of come to fruition and and uh be successful. And then with some of these methodologies that we have, we have the case studies and the proof that show that this works and that it scales. Can it scale down to like a $5 million project? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. It always, treating people right, always <laughs> that's, works. That's 100% that's, yeah, scalable. Yeah. 100% yeah, scalable. It is hard to do. And like the tactics are very specific and, and how we spend time and, and get people involved and want to stand up and do some of this is I'm very methodical with how I do it in the organization. We've got some some really talented people that make it, they make it look easy for their partners, but it's not easy. Yeah, and I imagine, I have to imagine getting the buy-in on some of those smaller projects is probably a little bit harder too, right? Like a 1% a change on a billion dollar project, pretty decent chunk of change, right? Like right. a 1% change on a 5 million or a $2 million project, 
kind of negligible depending on who you are. Right. Like, so, right. uh, I, I imagine that's probably part of the struggle with, with getting the buy-in on some of those smaller projects. Yeah. Also, we had a, a small job that was going like, it was a, they said, we've got something we have to finish in 10 weeks. And like, we don't think you can help. And I was like, Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> 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 so, I said, so I said, I'm going to help you in one conversation. So we talked on the phone and then we had, uh, inevitably had to jump on a zoom call, you know, cause we needed to share something. Right. Then once we we got to see a couple of things and then made they made one change they made the change and they finished that job earlier earlier than the ten weeks earlier yeah. than ten weeks yeah. they thought it was impossible and the guy's like I'm only calling you because I've seen you in the office and you know and people say that you have a gun that shoots silver bullets that kill bad schedules and I'm like <laughs> I don't actually have silver bullets but I might need those soon <laughs> <laughs> so like I. You know, I made no promises and I just said, you know, now that we talked and he showed me some things, I said, all right, what do you want to change? He's like, I thought you were just going to tell me what to do. I was like, no, no, I am telling you what to do. I want you to tell me what you think. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so that led to now he's got a bigger job. So it was like perfect transition. So now he went from a job where it's a traditional design bid build that work that they were doing. Now they got a different client. The client wants to do full IPD, integrated project delivery. It's a different customer, same person going from one project to the next. Now the client has in the contract, thou shall do lean. It's like in the contract. <laughs> wow. So then he calls me and says, hey, I got this client now. We want to do it. What can we do to go further? I said, perfect. What do you want to do? A thing called look at the contract. Remember I told you, don't give the customer not even a penny more. <laughs> give them what they bought yep. and because they're not used to getting what they paid for when you give them what they paid for they're ecstatic yeah. right right. Yep. right you blow their socks off yeah and you just give them what they paid for yep well you give them what you paid for when you said you were going to do it which is which is astonishing right like that's where our industry is at where that that's where, where, it's at. where giving giving what <laughs> what's paid for and expected is is mind-blowing yeah right yeah so here's here's a stat from mcgraw hill that publishes a lot of construction stuff they've there was a research done by Dodge Data and Analytics in the University of Minnesota, and they found that this is non-mega jobs. They surveyed the industry back in 2005, and then they they went back and looked at this research again in like two, early 2000s, like 2000, I think 12, was they, they did a refresh. And they found the same thing. Traditional construction projects, like this would include design build as well, as well as lean integrated project delivery, but the vast majority of jobs are design, bid, build. Lowest number, most qualified gets the the price you know that has the winning price wins the work all of those things all blended together three out of four jobs over budget three out of four late yep 100 right so the clients like all the owners know they all know like what they're going to get and even in the research the research said the number one thing that the clients when they look at their portfolio jobs that were successful like the clients that build all the time like your universities your hospitals like your counties and things that have you know that type of stuff where they're building all the time when they look at their portfolios, they're like, to them, the differentiator is the people. That's what they all say. Yeah. The research said across the board, the 25% of projects that were successful, I'm rounding. I think the real number is like 67% and 68% or something like that. So I just say three out of four. So I'm just rounding. Okay. So my nerds that are out there like yeah. citing the research, like go ahead and send me, I have the papers. I just can't remember the exact numbers. Okay? Close enough. Close enough. Yeah. So it's three out of four. Try to find out like, why is the client building this thing? And if you can answer that question, if you know, and if you don't know, go ask somebody that does know and don't stop asking until you find out why. Get that leg up. Yeah. It'll make a big difference for your project. Yeah. yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. What does the, uh, what does the future look like for you? What's, what's down the road for you? I mean, are you, I do plan quite a bit. I got a long plan. So number one, Mike, there's no retirement in my future. 
I can't imagine that there would be, especially say, if you're yeah. always asking questions and looking to innovate. Yeah. 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 Always learning. So one yeah. of my mentors was William Edwards Deming. He died at 93 years old working. Ugh, that's awesome. So, and some of my other mentors were the same way. Like they were just not, never going to hang it up. Yep. Yeah. Jeff Sutherland. He's, I think he's over 80 now. Wow. And he's still going strong like a boss. I told him like, he's even <laughs> aging better than I am. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's aging like a boss. That's awesome. And, yeah. And like, he's got, uh, you know, he's got people that are, are stepping in for him too, but like, why would you stop? Yeah. That's yeah. what I always say. Like, why would I stop? Like there's people yeah. always calling, people want to get involved in work. So long-term, no retirement, right? That could change, but probably won't. <laughs> I was like, in the short term, I just, uh, this year had a company contact, a software company contact me. I'm going to start uh, serving as a board advisor to their company. And I had some other companies do the yeah. same thing earlier this year. So I had to look at a couple board positions and so I'm going to serve some of my volunteer time, help guide them so they can deliver and, and do the same thing that I want to do is make the work easier for people. Very so, cool, man. And even when it's easier, Mike, it's still not easy work. No, 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 no. Yeah. You well, just, you don't want it to be. I mean, yeah. it's it, no, it, a snoozer yeah. right there. Yeah. It's a lot more fun when there's a little bit of a, a challenge yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. Just don't stop, man. Just, yeah. it's just can't stop, it's won't stop. And then people, if you if you message me on social media, I will actually talk to you. Perfect. <laughs> like, I love no, so You're dude, not too big time I, I, yet, I can huh? say that's true because that's how we got together. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Super cool. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build. Build.